The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Plum. We're continuing our NFL draft coverage that we've been giving you for a few weeks now. We're getting very close to the NFL draft, meaning the clock is ticking. Things are going to start to get really, really interesting in these next few weeks with the potential of trades and other various rumors circulating on who could go where, which is why on today's show we're going to be talking about how the top five picks in this year's draft could shape out. We're going to discuss what are the team's most likely options for these top five picks, that being the Bengals, Redskins, Lions, Giants, of course, and then the Miami Dolphins, and how all of this relates to who will eventually be on the board for the Giants when the pick comes in. Getting right on into what we're talking about today, breaking things down for the Cincinnati Bengals, the first pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. And Chris, I don't think you can overcomplicate this at all. It is so clear that the Bengals are going to be taking Joe Burrow, and they need to just take him and not look back. They need a, a a boost at that quarterback position. And any rumors about him saying that he wants to uh, be traded or doesn't want to be a Bengal is a bunch of baloney. It's going to happen. He's going to be their starting quarterback week one of 2020. It really is just an absolute no-brainer for Cincinnati. Just take Burrow. He is coming off a historically great season for LSU, national championship, Heisman Trophy, just absolutely dominant play. I, his play under pressure is better than pretty much every other quarterback in recent memory has been clean. I, I just have to say, watching LSU's tape during draft prep this year, it it started to get frustrating because I couldn't not watch Joe Burrow. I would try to be concentrating on the offensive line or Justin Jefferson or Thaddeus Moss or you know any of these other guys or defensive players they happen to be playing, and I just couldn't not watch Burrow. The things he was able to do last year were unreal. Just don't overthink it. Don't even think. Just turn in the card, say Joe Burrow, and move on. 
there's really no other direction for them to go in unless they really wanted to trade out of that pick and the in those Joe uh, Burrow rumors of him not wanting to be a Bengal were true. But th- again, that is n- not true. I keep seeing it starting to pop up on Twitter from unverified accounts with uh, sources that they won't won't reveal, saying that he doesn't want to be a Bengal. Don't believe any of that. Don't buy in into any of that. It's people that are trying to get clout. Or maybe they're trying to create smokescreen. Whatever they can do to stir a conversation, Joe Burrow is going to be a Bengal. And the other alternative that is a bit laughable that I've seen in some mock drafts from uh, various people, and uh, especially on draft Twitter, is that Justin Herbert could be in play for this first overall pick. And like you just talked about how good of a prospect Joe Burrow is, it just doesn't make any sense that, the, that you can compare the two. Joe Burrow, the performances that he had last year against elite-level SEC defenses and the things he was able to do in-game in terms of his traits as a quarterback are significantly higher than that of Justin Herbert. So there's no reason for them to even debate that, debate who should go instead of the other. Yeah, I, I saw one comparison for Joe Burrow that just really stood out and I can't really argue against it. And that is Patrick Mahomes. Just watching Burrow, the utter and complete confidence that he played with, his ability to execute pretty much no matter what defenses threw at him and execute at a high level, almost perfectly. You know, okay, he might not have Mahomes' insane arm where he could throw it 100 yards from any angle on his knees but everything except for that it kind of checks out he's got that athleticism that you don't expect he can he can throw from almost any platform his accuracy and precision were ridiculous he was completely unafraid of risk and pretty much completely unaffected by pressure so yeah I think we've spent more than enough time on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're probably going to be breaking down this selection um, (laughs) more than some of these other picks, and we already know who's going to be the guy. Next second pick, the Washington Redskins, is where things start to get really interesting because there's a number of different directions they could really go. And the first and obvious one is Chase Young and taking the best available player on the board. But that doesn't rule out Jeff Okuda, and that also doesn't rule out uh, an interesting take that you have here, Chris. Maybe an offensive tackle? Yeah, this was a, a thought I had actually this morning walking the dog. Right now, Washington does not have a left tackle. Dwayne Haskins, there is some question as to whether or not he is in Ron Rivera's plan for the future. But we did see some really impressive improvement from Haskins at the end of last year. The last five or six games... We saw him just take strides and improve by leaps and bounds from a game-to-game basis. And he was doing that really with just kind of a makeshift left side. And if Washington really likes, decides they really like him, they want to develop him, they need to find a left tackle because Trent Williams is not going to be back. He has made that abundantly clear. He no longer trusts the organization, he doesn't trust the franchise, and he doesn't want to play for a team he doesn't trust. So could Washington actually be looking at an offensive tackle? We have heard kind of behind the scenes that the Giants are looking very seriously at either Tristan Wirfs or Isaiah Simmons. We have There is another set 
that are saying they're hearing that the Giants are looking at Isaiah Simmons or trading back. So what if perhaps what the other set is hearing is that the Giants do want to dress, draft Tristan Wirfs, but it is possible, perhaps even likely, that Wirfs will not be there to be drafted. So that just got me thinking, what if Washington basically does what they did with Brandon Scherf and takes the offensive linemen when people weren't really expecting them to? It's certainly a direction that I don't think a lot of people are considering, and it's more of a possibility than really than people think could actually happen. Because, like you said, they are in need of, of an offensive tackle because of Trent Williams no longer wanting to associate himself with the organization. And it really is just a matter of how they grade things. And if they happen to grade Worfs equal with one of these defensive guys, if that is Chase Young, then, well, they could end up taking him instead of Young. But it seems like right now that their best possible direction is taking Chase Young. Like I said, Jeff Okuda could be in play if they're a little bit more in favor of taking a corner. The other option, too, here for them is taking a quarterback or trading back. And there's been the smokescreen, I would like to refer to it as, of them taking Tua or maybe even Justin Herbert in this spot. And I think that during draft time, there is always going to be takes like this. And it's not like last year with the Cardinals and there was so many signs pointing to them moving on from Josh Rosen and taking Kyler Murray. And it made sense because Murray was a significant upgrade over Josh Rosen specifically for that offense. Well, in this case, I really don't see them needing a quarterback as much and it's the same situation as it was for the Cardinals. If Ron Rivera really wanted to change and shake up the quarterback room this much as far as taking a a better talent than Dwayne Haskins. He would have gone out and signed Cam Newton by now, and that's a player that he is associated with for a very long time. But Cam Newton remains a free agent. Dwayne Haskins still remains the number one quarterback in that room. So that is really just an intent to try and get one of these quarterback-hungry teams to trade up, which is really the biggest stirring motion for these, these next three to four picks in the top five. Yeah, the other possibility we haven't really talked about is Jeffrey Okuda, who, kind of like an offensive tackle, Washington needs a cornerback. They traded away their best one, and they do have a formidable front seven. They've got a good defensive line. Montez Sweat was coming on at the end of last year, Not much was made of it, but he did have seven sacks. He does own the fastest sack in the league last year. So if he is starting to harness that incredible athleticism he has, maybe they could convince themselves that they don't need Chase Young, that reinforcing the secondary would pay bigger dividends. But Chase Young is, he has the potential to be a real spark plug and just a monster with the rest of their front seven. And considering Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, the kinds of defenses they like to run, I wouldn't, I would honestly be surprised if it was anything other than Chase Young. Chase Young certainly seems to be the clear indication for them, just like Joe Burrow seems to be the best bet for the Cincinnati Bengals. Things start to get a little bit more astray here at the third pick with the Detroit Lions because this is where things could drastically change. Because Jeff Okuda, if Chase Young, does not slide and ends up going to the Redskins. 
Jeff Okuda makes a lot of sense. They recently traded Darius Slay to the Eagles, so upgrading and bringing in a guy that can step in and start right away makes a ton of sense. There's comparisons of him to Stephon Gilmore in terms of his impact, and if you can get a guy like that who can step in and play right away, like a Jalen Ramsey or a Denzel Ward or a Marshawn Lattimore, you can significantly upgrade your defense. So Jeff Okuda is in play. Derek Brown is also in play. But also, if they read into the fact that the Giants really, really want Isaiah Simmons, they could also choose to take Simmons here. If they, there's just all the options that are available are taking a defensive guy to boost things for a defensive-minded head coach in Matt Patricia. Yeah, it's it is interesting to look at the second and third picks in this draft and say, okay, this is what's going to happen here. Then this is what's going to happen there. But if you, the more you look at these picks, the, the more you look at these teams, the more options and potential options and potential scenarios start to present themselves. It, it should be Jeffrey Akuda. Basically, everything they have done signals that they are looking at Akuda as their primary target. But if Chase Young happens to be on the board, I don't know how you not pick him if you are the Lions. If Akuda is off the board, you know, then the Lions have to, will have to choose between Chase Young and Derek Brown, and both of those guys have just monstrous potential. And I think you could possibly even throw Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina, basically into that mix as well, and really only be a tiny, tiny step back from Derek Brown. You know, I, he isn't getting as much talk as he probably should at the national level, but I got to say, just watch his tape, folks. He is a monster. And if you recall, the Lions recently moved on from uh, uh, former New York Giant uh, Damon Harrison, who was their nose tackle. And Derek Brown has a very different, and also Kinlaw, have very different skill sets than Damon Harrison. They're not profoundly these middle-of-the-defense plugging run stuffers, but they have that in their skill set, and they're a a little bit more versatile. They can do other additional things, just basically space eaters first and foremost. So moving on from Damon Harrison, who's a veteran, and maybe plopping in one of these defensive tackles is something that they're considering. Maybe that's part of the reason why they chose to get rid of and move on and not bring back Damon Harrison, because they knew at the top of the draft, if they sit where they are at three and Chase Young's off the board, we can go and get Derek Brown and we can get either an upgrade or at least the same level of play in his first year by bringing him in. And then the final option that we really have to talk about that we discussed pretty much with all of these picks besides the Cincinnati Bengals of having the possibility, and that is trading back because of how many quarterback needy teams there are, how many teams that are towards the middle of the draft that want to get that young guy to build their franchise around, there is always a chance that a team like the Miami Dolphins, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, heck, even if there's a possibility, it probably wouldn't happen. Teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Indianapolis Colts, but because they don't have first rounders, they can't trade their way up in, into a position to draft a guy. But Lions, like like the Redskins before them, have a shot to get a, a good deal that allows them to trade back so someone could take Tua or Herbert. Yeah, and really trades have to be considered with each of the second, third, and fourth picks. Really, when we talk about the rules and value with the draft trading back is almost always the right choice just because 
that is how you can really maximize the value of a pick. You look at what the Indianapolis Colts did back in 2018 when they turned the third overall pick into really a bunch of Pro Bowl caliber players by trading back to six and getting three second round picks. So if if you can entertain a trade back, if there isn't a player you have to have, like if if your team doesn't need a quarterback and there is another team willing to trade up and work out a deal with you, take that deal. Unless something happens and a player like Chase Young, just a player at a premium position with a talent you just cannot ignore, falls. Trading back really is a, you know, a very lucrative option here for these teams from two, three to four. And I, I think that there's a, a pretty strong likelihood that, that at least one of these teams, I think there will be one team that trades back because of a good offer from one of these teams that wants to secure their quarterback of the future. We're going to talk about the next pick, the New York Giants. But before we get to that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. As you'd probably assume, the one pick that we're looking at the most here for the reason of this is a show that covers the New York Giants is this fourth overall pick for the Giants. And that's the reason why we broke down and discussed the three picks in front of them is because how does this shape up for the Giants? How does everything look ahead of them? And if certain guys are taken, what is in play for them? And Chase Young probably will not make it this far. It would be very shocking. It would require multiple trades up by teams to take quarterbacks that you would need two for that to happen. And then Young would fall to four. But the the likelihood of that happening is probably not that high. It would take a lot for that to happen. The same thing with Okuda. If, If you have a team that trades up, Jeff Okuda could also fall and be in play here for the Giants. But it just seems like the, the, the two smartest decisions is either taking 
a tackle like Tristan Wirfs or whoever they have the highest graded or Isaiah Simmons to immediately impact and start on their defense. Yeah, the, the Giants' first option should be getting down on their knees, lighting a candle, praying, hoping, doing whatever they can to appease the football gods that one of those Ohio State players happens to fall to them because those guys could have just an absolutely massive impact on the Giants' defense. Akuda in the secondary, Chase Young would basically instantly provide a pass rush the Giants just do not have right now. We had kind of been planning all up until the last month or so of the season for the Giants to be taking Young, kind of imagining what he would look like in Giants blue, what number he would wear since 56 is out. And then they won a couple games and slipped down to fourth overall. But now there's at least a glimmer of hope maybe kind of hopefully somehow hope that winning a couple games won't actually hurt them and they could get the player they really desperately need. But in the real world, that probably will not happen. So we're we're left with Isaiah Simmons and whichever offensive tackle. On our personal position board, Jedrick Wills came out first over – Jedrick Wills came out as OT1 just because he probably has the best blend of technique, consistency, athleticism, and he also plays a position naturally that the Giants just do not have a starter at right now. So that is the pick there. We have also heard Tristan Wirfs for the Giants. We've heard that quite a bit. And then Isaiah Simmons, we've been over him a couple times. to say the least, on this show. He would give them just so many options and so much versatility on defense. I'm not sure the Giants could go wrong either way, though I will say taking the off, taking Isaiah Simmons would mean that they have to hope that there is a starting caliber offensive tackle there for them in the second round, that there isn't an, an incredible run on tackles after them in the first round. You know, they have to hope that, say, Washington doesn't take Ezra Cleveland at the top of the second round or Lucas Niang or Prince Tegawanogo. Sorry, Prince Tegawanoho. You know, one of those guys is there. And yeah, that is a gamble, but having Simmons might make that gamble worthwhile. And I think what we really need for the Giants to take Simmons would be they have him graded above whatever tackle is their first tackle by a significant margin. But also, like you said, they're going to have to have this forward-thinking outlook of, well, how do we grade those second-round tackles? And we were talking about this before the show that it's really based on preference and and how teams have graded certain guys because there's certain guys that are probably going to be and should be early second-round prospects but could fall to the third round just because of how these teams are, are, are viewing them. Um, it's a bit of a toss-up, and there's very little consensus about who is that early second-round tackle prospect, who are the best available guys early on in the second round. So for the Giants, if they can't talk themselves into taking at least one or two of those guys early in the second round, if they're available, or like maybe risking assuming that Josh Jones could slide that far or someone like Lucas Yang not being taken early on in the or uh, late in the first round rather 
they would need all of that to happen. And they would also need to be able to talk themselves into, like I said, taking one of those guys early on in the second round. If they can't do that, they're going to need to, and they probably will take a tackle here because they don't want to risk not having that opportunity to fix and finally solidify their offensive line. And in addition to that, if they can say to themselves, well, early in the second round, maybe we can get a guy like Jeremy Chin who isn't the same player as Isaiah Simmons, but we can use him defensively in various situations. He's unique. He's, he has a rare physical build. He's not going to give us the same impact, but he'll be a quality starter. It's it's all about how the outlook is going to be instead of just being so focused and honed in on this one pick and who's available. Yeah, th- this is going to be a unique draft. I think it's going to wind up being a kind of crazy wild draft where there are going to be picks that kind of come out of left field, come out of the blue that we just do not see coming just because the draft process has been really completely derailed from what it normally is. You know, teams weren't really able to visit with prospects, go work them out of pro days, have them to their facilities for visits and interviews. And also we had, I don't know if it was a record or not, but we had a lot of prospects elect to not work out at the combine this year. Chase Young didn't really work out. Derek Brown didn't do much. Javon Kinlaw didn't do much. Uh, The tackles did, but there were really a lot of prospects who didn't run, didn't jump, didn't do the agility drills. So there, there is a lot of data that teams normally use as maybe not decision makers, but to either confirm what they saw on tape or give them reason to go back and look at tape again that they just don't have. And also, the draft is going to be done remotely. There aren't going to be war rooms. Decision makers, general managers, coaches, scouts are all going to be spread out and Teams are going to have to have a real definite, concrete plan, or things could get really weird. And then, of course, with the Giants that we've discussed, and we get tons of questions about this that we we choose not to answer all of them because we've had so many questions about it, is that they could still seek a trade to move back. And it's significantly based on if any of these teams above the Giants move out of their picks. If one of them does, it opens things up for a team like the Chargers or the Dolphins to negotiate with the Giants so they can beat out the other team from getting the guy that they want. There's a chance that both of them really like Tua or both of them really like Justin Herbert and they don't want to risk the opposing team getting him. And that comes right into right into transitioning to the Miami Dolphins, the final pick for this top five. It seems like their situation here is trying to trade up at all costs, beating out the Los Angeles Chargers from taking the top quarterback on their board, whether it's Tua or Justin Herbert or even Jordan Love, if they're that high on Jordan Love. They need to make a trade up or hope that the Chargers don't make a move to trade up and that their guy ends up being there on the board for them at five. I really cannot imagine them going in any other direction than quarterback because Two years in to the new regime of Brian Flores, you need to start building towards that future, and you're not going to do that with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're not really that all in on Josh Rosen. They were starting Ryan Fitzpatrick for most of last year. 
He's not going to be their starter long-term. Now is the time for them to take someone, and waiting further down in the draft is just going to have negative consequences. So they need to take whoever their guy is within these top five picks by any means necessary. Absolutely. And trading up does carry risk. It carries risk every year, but especially this year because of how much we are missing, especially with Tua's injury. He put out the video, what was it, a week, two weeks two weeks ago of him yeah, moving, throwing, and he looked good, but teams still want to be able to look at him in person, have their doctors go over him and really find out where in his recovery he is, what his hip looks like, how he how he is healing, just all of those things that could, could, should, will give them confidence that he can be a starting quarterback again and for a long term. But Miami might not have the option of not trading, especially if the Chargers do jump them or if they're even afraid the Chargers might jump them. There are really two quarterbacks other than Joe Burrow that are worthy of trading up for, and that's two and Herbert. It's possible that we could see either Miami or the Chargers trade up for one of those quarterbacks at second overall, and then that could trigger the other one to trade up at third overall just to make sure they get him and some other team doesn't come out of the blue with a surprise trade. You know, We could see the Raiders do that. It seems like Jacksonville wants to develop Gardner Minshew, but we could also see them trade up. They have they have the ammo, they have the picks to move. So it is possible that one trade could trigger another trade just because they don't have any other choice, which could wind up, even if the Giants aren't able to trade back, being very good for the Giants. Well, now folks, you have an understanding of what could happen for any of these top five teams, including the New York Giants, all of the options that are in play, all the guys that are potentials for the Giants to take at that four spot, as well as who could go before them. If you think there's any situations we happen to miss on or did not discuss and you want us to dive into them, feel free to send us a, a DM at Joe DeLeon or at Raptor MKII or into the Facebook page, Big Blue View, and we'll discuss them on the mailbag show at the end of the weekend. On Wednesday, we're going to be talking about the top of the second round and what could be in play, who could be available, who could go before the Giants, all of that good stuff for the second round because that's where things really get interesting like we talked about early on in the show. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and follow us on social media at Big Blue View. And also stay tuned for Wednesday where we talk about the top of the second round.